Would you turn with me this morning in the scripture to John 14, please? John 14. And our text is verse 21. John 14, 21, Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Uh, For years, I've been shouting about that last phrase, and I'm more excited about it today than I have been. In the Amplified, let's look at it again. Jesus said, the one that loves me keeps my word. He said, I will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real To him. Now there are few things more important. Than Jesus being real to you. Than him being manifest to you. Because he is light. He is life. Isn't he? Jesus said this is eternal life. Knowing God. And Jesus the one he sent. That is eternal life. Knowing him. Not just knowing about him. Not just believing in something theoretically or in principle. So many people in the world, they stay out of church. They stay away from anything that looks or sounds like church. Because some things that they have been exposed to were just dead and theoretical and rigid do's and don'ts and, and this or that. And they just saw no benefit to their life. And the people they were around that claimed to be so pious... You could tell they didn't really know anything about God. They're adamant about what they thought. But the world, no matter what they might say, they're created of God. And deep calls to deep. And He is the Father of spirits. And every spirit, no matter how corrupt or depraved or blind they may have become, their heart cries out for where they came from. Because there's no one, there's nothing that can satisfy you inside but Him. But Him. And the thing is, people are not hungry for religion. They're not hungry for churchanity. They're hungry for a reality of God. And isn't that what this verse is talking about? Jesus said He would do what? He would manifest, that word means show, He would show, make himself real, let us see him. So we call this for a while the words of Jesus. I'm going to change it this morning. Seeing Jesus. This is what I want to call it. I believe that's more appropriate. Seeing Jesus. We saw that if you love him, you're going to keep his words. So we began studying in the book of John about his words. Do we know them? Are we doing them? And it's not just a matter of memorizing things or becoming familiar with all the different principles and ideas that he said, but it's getting the spirit of how he thinks and his ways and his will. 
and seeing him through his words. We saw in John 1, he didn't begin in a manger. He was from the beginning. And he became flesh. And he dwelt among us. Glory to God. And then we see chapter after chapter through this book is all about believing in him. What he said and what he did, then people were confronted with. They had to decide whether they believed that he is the one or no. You'll see this phrase. In John 6, we studied this last week. And let's go back and look at it. John, the sixth chapter. John 6. When this miracle of the feeding of the multitudes occurred, and you know, if you were there, then at some point you realize, where did all this food come from? They realized this is a miracle. And verse 14, John 6:14, then those men when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, "This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. This is the one. He's the one." And they said in verse 28, they said, "What shall we do that we might work the works of God?" And Jesus answered and said to them, "This is the work of God." That you believe on him whom he has sent. That you believe on him. Now in studying this chapter last week we ended up where we saw that though these masses of people were traveling with him. And even paid for their own shipping and crossed the the lake. Yet before the day was over multitudes of them left him. And we see that Jesus told them, he said, he knew there were many of them that didn't believe on him yet. And yet they're with him. And they're traveling with him and they're following him around. But they don't believe in him. And when something came out to try whether they believed him or not, which that message on eat my flesh and drink my blood did. And they bailed. And it wasn't the message that sent them away. They didn't believe before the message. And the message just showed it up. Oh, come on. Can you see this, guys? See, 1 John 2, John, the Spirit of God through him was talking about that. He said there were some people that went out from us. He said, but they weren't of us. Yeah, but they were with you. Because how can they go out from you? Unless they were with you. He said... But they weren't of us. Because he said if they had been of us. They would have remained. They would have stayed. Because <laughs> when you believe. You stay. Even when you don't understand. If you bail. When you don't understand. You didn't believe to start with. Oh friends are y'all with me. This is important. This is really important. So. All this is about believing in Him. Believing in Jesus. This whole book. It's interesting. Just look in the concordance. How many times it says believe or faith. In this one book John. It's just full of it. But how many know not just this book. John. But the whole book. Is about the same thing. About believing in Jesus. 
Do you understand? Every type and shadow in the Old Testament, every statute, every ordinance, every offering, every sacrifice, what was it pointing to? Pointing to Jesus. It's all about believing in Him. And then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is talking about Him so that you could hear and believe on Him. And then Acts and all the epistles is pointing back about preaching the good news, about believing on Him. And why are we in here today? Because we believe on Him. And what's our job? What's our objective? To get this Word out to other people so they can believe on Him. This is what it's all about. Believing on Him. And not believing on Him is the greatest sin. I said it is the greatest sin. Let's read some things. Go to the seventh chapter. We made it through the sixth chapter here. Look at the seventh chapter of John. Verse 1. After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now why did they want to kill him? Where it all really began to build was when that man got healed at the pool of Bethesda. In fact, at one point, Jesus said, I've done one work on the Sabbath, and you want to kill me. And he tried to reason with him. He said, you circumcise people on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses is not broken, and you want to kill me because I got a man healed. You're doing stuff on the Sabbath. How many remember he talked to him? He said, how many of you got a donkey and he's hot and you won't loose him and take him over to get some water on the Sabbath day? And why, if it's okay for you to water your donkey, why wouldn't it be all right for me to help a man or woman that's suffering on the Sabbath day? But none of that mattered to him. None of that mattered to him. They were just seething over this. Now, do we want to see miracles like this? Like this man that was 38 years in this condition come up out of the bed in a moment's time and healed supernaturally? Do we want to see things like this? Can we see things like this? Is it the will of God? Jesus said, if you believe on me, if you believe on me, if you believe on me, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Is it his will? Yes. But now think about it. Think about the effects on his life. He had a lot of trouble from the healing of this man. I mean, it went on and on. They got more and more upset. And there was all this upheaval. There was all this strife among them. They wanted to hurt him. They wanted to hinder him. They got to where they wanted to kill him. Now, it hasn't changed. Jesus said, if they receive my words, they'll receive yours. He said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Do we really want these things in our life? (laughs) You see what I mean? It's different than how some people have thought. You may think, well, oh, man, blind people seeing and and deaf people hearing and people hear like this. Everybody will shout and think that's amazing. No, they won't. No, they won't. People will find fault with it. They'll say it's off. They'll say it's mystical. They'll say it's of the devil like they did him. How many say, repeatedly they accused him of being of the devil? Yeah. Didn't they? Yes. It's almost humorous. It's not. But almost how many times you're reading in John and they don't know how to answer him so they just say, you got a devil. <laughs> you remember reading it? I mean, he makes these excellent points that any reasonable man or woman should hear and understand and they just look at him and go, 
You have a devil. You have a devil. That's their answer for everything. And it's a serious matter because they're attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Oh, so serious. So serious. But how many know that if you catch some flack, you know, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus, they shall suffer some persecution. And if that's part of it, that's just okay. Because how many take some if somebody gets healed? That's all right. Somebody gets set free. Because the sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory. So, so be it. We can take it. God's grace is sufficient. So develop some tough hide. You know, you have to in the ministry. I mean, if I let my feelings get hurt about everything that came across our, our emails or our letters, you know, I call them nasty grams. You know? Like this woman's talking about, she said, would Jesus wear a Rolex? She said, yes. We've received some others, too. (laughs) That wasn't their position. They said, no, and neither should you. Should I get hurt over that and go, hmm, I'm just trying to serve the Lord and do what I know to do. Friend, if you're going to serve the Lord, this ain't for you. I consider something challenging. I consider it for a moment. Is it true? I'm a man. I could miss it. Is it true? Are they right? And if I know they're not, I smile and never think of it again. If they're right, it's time for me to repent. Make some changes. Get right. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If you go all the way with God and you develop and you begin to see like Jesus saw and hear like he heard and do what you see and say what you hear and wonderful things are going to happen, you're going to catch some flack for that. You're going to be persecuted for it. People are going to say some things that's not nice. (laughs) Can you handle it? Well, did I lose the crowd, man? I mean, did, did you feel that? Or like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> Nobody said anything about that. Oh, yeah, Jesus been talking about it in the Bible all along. People just hadn't been paying attention to it. He said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Whatever that they felt about Jesus, I want them to feel exactly the same way about me. Don't you? Yes. Yes. Identify with him. And if it costs you, so be it. The cost not even worthy to be compared to the benefit and the glory. So, here in the seventh chapter, keep reading. They wanted to kill him. Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said to him, Depart hence. Go to Judea that your disciples may see the works that you do. For there's no man that does anything in secret. He himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Show yourself. One translation says manifest yourself. For neither did his brethren believe in him. This is talking about his blood kin on his mother's side. His brothers. How many know this? 
wasn't the only occasion that there was a time when uh, his folks came out to where he was. Sent word for him to come out. He's in the middle of teaching. How many know this is disrespectful? A lot of times family are disrespectful. Because they say, well, I know them. That's my sister. That's my brother. Well, that doesn't excuse you being disrespectful of the things of God. Everybody comes from somewhere. None of us just fell out of the sky. We all come from somewhere. But how many know that was the problem with Jesus? In his own hometown. Could there do no mighty work? Why? They judged him after the flesh. They said, we know him. That's Joseph and Mary's boy. You know, we work with his sisters and brothers over here and there. And my cousin works with his brother. And we know him. And he fixed a plow stock for me one time. Who is he saying he's anointed? You understand, disrespect means unbelief. And even though they grew up with him, his own brothers are disrespecting him. And they're talking to him sarcastically. And I want you to notice the tone. Let me read this to you from another translation. Maybe it'll come out clearer to us. The message Bible said, his brothers said, why don't you leave here and go up to the feast so your disciples can get a good look at the works you do? No one who intends to be publicly known does everything behind the scenes. If you're serious about what you're doing, come out of the open and show the world. Are they sincere? Is this sarcasm? Are they saying this mockingly? Is that okay? Get this marked in your mind. The tone of unbelief. Why did they say this? The scripture said because they did not believe in him. That's why they're talking to him like this. Let me read this to you from the Dewey translation. They said there's no man does anything in secret. And he himself seeks to be known openly. One said it like this. If you're seeking publicity. He wasn't seeking publicity. Now, let's just stop right here. These guys grew up with him. They've seen him. They've known him. In every type of situation. Do you think he did things in front of them to cause them not to believe in him? No way. Then why didn't they believe in him? Do you see... Jesus, did he ever tell them a lie? Did he ever lead them astray? Then why didn't they believe in him? Now see, we've talked about how many believed in Jesus, but I don't know if we've looked carefully in the scriptures how many didn't believe in him. Because it's the same way today. And a lot of people have kind of had the idea, well, if people have the right example enough, if they hear enough word, if they see enough of the right thing, then that'll cause them to believe. His brothers hadn't seen enough? How many years does it take? His brothers hadn't heard enough? Believing is a choice you make. Isn't it? 
a choice you make. The scripture talked about individuals that are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, teach me some more. Well, if you hadn't believed from three years worth, what's one more sermon going to do? It's not you needing more. It's what you've done with what you've got. And you can do the same thing with another thousand messages. It's a choice. And it shows the heart. Can you hear the tone of unbelief? Is the tone of disrespect. Sarcasm. And mocking. Jesus heard it other times, didn't he? I mean, when he was tempted. Isn't that what the devil said? If you're the son of God. If you're all this, if you're the fulfillment of prophecy, then do this. Then do that. And it's usually followed by prove it. This taunting, this sarcasm. If you are, then show it. If you are, then prove it. These people the Lord will not manifest himself to. Are you with me? They don't believe him. They don't treasure his words. They won't receive his words. They won't keep and do his words. They don't love him. And as far as they're concerned, it'll be like there is no God. And it's not because there's no God. It's because the Lord doesn't reveal himself to these folk. That's not my idea. That's our text. Isn't it? You remember John 14.21, when Jesus said, If you love me and keep my words, I'll reveal myself to you. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, different Judas said, How are you going to do that? How are you going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And this is what we're talking about. But the great thing is, if you and I are devoid and free from all that sarcasm and mocking and doubting and disrespect junk, if we believe Him and love Him more, what happens? He reveals himself even more to us. He becomes more and more real to us. So it's within our power and within our grasp for him to become more real to us immediately. Oh, can you see it, saints? Jesus experienced this when he was hanging on the cross, didn't he? It's in... uh, Luke 23, you don't have to turn there. In Luke 23, verse 35, the people stood beholding. This is at the cross. The rulers derided him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen of God. Can you hear that same tone? Is this disrespectful? Why is it disrespectful? Because it's unbelieving. They don't believe in him. And so they're toning him. Isn't that something? And the soldiers did the same thing. They mocked him. And they said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Did he say, I'm going to show you. (laughs) You probably would have. (laughs) You and me. We'd have wanted to say, hey, let me show you something. (laughs) Just who you're messing with here. But no, that's, that's not how he is. That's not how he is. He doesn't reveal himself to unbelievers. He's hanging up there suffering. And they're taunting him. And they're mocking him. 
If you're what you claim to be, show us. Prove it. Come off of there. That's when they put that title up, King of the Jews. It was a mock. It was like, look at here. This is the King of the Jews? This stripped, beat, crucified man? Well, he was. I said he was. And he is. And always will be. Oh, and soon every eye is going to see him. He's going to come in the clouds of glory and power. It's going to be like lightning from one side of the heavens to the other. Everybody will know. Aren't you glad you bow your knee now? You confess now. Oh, somebody say, I believe in him. I believe when you believe in him, you talk right. To him and about him. No sarcasm. No mocking. You know, there's Christians. Phyllis talked about the young lady that had gotten mad at God. Thank God she got past that. How many know God is not your problem? Never has been, never will be. He's your answer. How foolish to get mad at the one who's your total answer. Who's your way out. But people have. Oh, there are many, many Christians mad at God. And they say things like, well, God, if this word is so true and powerful, then why didn't this happen? And and if this is your will, then then why not this? Well, you need to shut up and repent. (laughs) What are you saying? What are you doing? What does that tone show? Disrespect. Why? Because you don't believe in him. You're questioning his character. You're questioning his faithfulness. You're questioning his goodness. You're questioning his will. Shows you don't believe. The rulers were doing it. The soldiers were doing it. And he had two thieves crucified with him, remember? And one of them piped up. Didn't he? And he said, if you're the Christ, well, save yourself. And us too. Same tone. But the other one, the other thief rebuked him. And said, don't you fear God? What, how many of the answer? He didn't. There wasn't a reference. He should have. He's about to die. Seeing that you're in the same condemnation. And he turned over to Jesus. He said, Lord, would you remember me? Totally different tone. How many of there's respect here? Why is there respect here? Because he believes. Did he have to go to seminary for 18 years? To get this sort of, wonder how many sermons he's heard. He's been a thief. He ain't been in church a lot, okay? He's been running in the wrong circles. And it's caught up with him. He's being executed. That ain't from going to church. Oh, friend, this is important. How long does it take to believe when your heart's right? How long does it take? How much evidence do you need? How much proof? How many miracles you got to see? How many sermons you got to hear? Right there. He looked at him. And he knew he's looking at somebody that's right. He saw how he's dealing with this. And he knew. He just knew. He just knew in himself. And so he said, Lord. When? Not if. When? (laughs) When you come into your kingdom. Does he believe something? Would you remember me? What did the Lord say? Verse 43. What did the Lord say? He didn't say it to all of y'all. 
scoffers and mockers and sarcastic revilers and railers. He said to him, I say to you, today shall you be with me in paradise. I'm telling you, that guy said the right thing. Now, didn't he do the right thing? Right there, moments away from expiring in excruciating pain, had enough sense to know who he's supposed to believe in. Mm-mm. Glory to God. Faith is a choice. You decide to believe or not. If you say, well, I'm undecided whether I believe or not. That's a choice. You don't believe. Well, I just haven't made up my mind yet. Yeah, you have. You don't believe. (laughs) There's no such thing as a neutral place. If you don't believe, what does that mean? You're an unbeliever. Period. Well, I'm not sure. You're an unbeliever. Whether you're sure it's not true or you're just not sure what you believe. You're an unbeliever. It means you don't believe. Now, listen to this concerning those that believed on him, those that saw, and those that chose not to. Go to the third chapter. Chapter 3, please. John 3, verse 19. This is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. And men what? These are men who saw the light. Are you with me now? But they love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light. Lest his deeds should be reproved. If you want to be right, even when you're wrong, then you can't bear the light. You don't want it. Because the light shows you up. The light shows what's right. In the light, you see things that are wrong. And if you want to keep holding on to what's wrong, then you don't want the light. Now you would think, well, everybody wants the light. No, they don't. You would think everybody wants the truth. And you'd be wrong. I said you'd be wrong. And you might think, well man, if the preaching is good enough, if the anointing is good enough, if the revelation is strong enough, everybody will believe. No, not true. Don't you think Jesus did a good job teaching and preaching? Did everybody believe? No. There were masses of people that heard him that didn't believe him. They heard his preaching. They heard him day after day. They heard him year after year. They saw the miracles. They saw the miracles. And they still chose not to believe. Didn't they? Not only did they choose not to believe him, they chose to despise him and hate him. Now come on, think guys. They saw him. Can you fathom somebody sitting under Jesus' ministry and hearing him teach and preach and getting up and saying, I don't believe a word of that. 
It happened. It happened by the thousands. So we shouldn't be shocked when it happens today. (laughs) What did he say? Verse 20. Everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does the truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. When your heart's right, you want what's right. Even if it shows you up wrong, you say, so be it. How many would say, Lord, shine the light? Shine the light. Shine the light. If it shows this ain't been cleaned up in six months, well, then we need to see it because it needs to get clean. But see, there's other folks saying, I like that dirt. I like it. Leave it alone. And see, when it's dark, you can pretend it ain't dirty. When it's dark, I know Phyllis and I were, oh, this must have been 20-some years ago. We were down in Florida doing something, and we had a day off, and we thought, well, we'll rent a boat and go out one of these little lakes and ski and have some fun. And uh, we went out there, and the place where you rented them was built onto the back of a nightclub. And this is in the middle of the day, and ain't nobody there except at the office. But you had to go through the place to get to the back. Well, ain't nobody there. But we walked through. And as we walked through, this place is nasty. But you could tell from the outside, it's one of the happening places in town. But I realized at night, all you can see are these lights and these black lights. And I realized these people don't know what kind of filth they're sitting in in here. They ain't got a clue. Because it's dark. It's dark. Always makes me wonder at these restaurants where it's so dark. You know, you're thinking, hey, <laughs> brother, what is that I'm eating right there? Doesn't hurt to have some light on the situation, right? That you can see. And I just was sure that people, that get dressed up and they're going juking, you know. They're going clubbing and partying. And they got no idea what kind of filth. You know, people had gotten sick in there and done all kind of stuff. And they're just filthy. But the light showed it up. But now see, if you want to stay in that junk, you don't want anybody shining a light. Makes you mad. So you want to fight it. And that's what Jesus said. And in fact, hold your place there. Go back to John 7. And you'll see why people hated Jesus. That just sounds strange to us, doesn't it? That somebody would hate Jesus. But they did. A lot of them did. And people do today. John 7. When his brethren are being sarcastic. They say, why don't you go up there? Why don't you show them something? Verse 5. Neither did his brethren believe in him. And Jesus said to them, my time's not yet come. Your time is always ready. You know, Jesus was led by the Spirit, wasn't he? He knew when to go and he knew when to stay. Do we have the same Spirit? Then we ought to know when to go and when not to go, when to stay, when it's time, when it's not time. How did he know that? He had the knowing inside him. Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. You have an unction of the Holy One and you know. You know all things that you need to know. Verse 7, he said, the world cannot hate you, but me it hates. Why? Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. 
He's telling the truth, isn't he? What is the truth? In case after case, the truth is this is wrong. And this is not right. But they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. Even if it's true, they don't want to hear it. Do you understand? Well, if you don't want the truth, what else is there to believe? If you say, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to believe that. I don't want that to be right. And if that's the truth, what else you got to pick from? Anything else you're going to believe has to be a lie. Because you've already heard the truth. And you didn't want it. Now, go with me to the 8th chapter. The 8th chapter. And verse, well, 843. You can hear in Jesus' voice. What's the word? I don't want to use the word frustration. Because I know Jesus always had peace. And yet the Bible said the Holy Spirit can be vexed. There's no unbelief in this. But listen to his words. Verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God hears God's words and you Hear them not, because you're not of God. Then answered the Jews and said, Didn't we say you're a Samaritan and you have a devil? That's their standard answer. No matter what he says, you have a devil. He's making perfect sense. His words are power and truth. But they don't want to hear them. So they just say, you have a devil. And he warned them. He said, if you don't believe I'm the one, you'll die in your sins. You would think people want to know the truth, but they don't. Many don't. And the problem is people seeing it and then choosing something else. You know, the leader of the Pharisees, they sent people to get Jesus and they didn't bring him back. (laughs) And they said, why didn't you bring him? He was right there. And they said, nobody ever spoke like this man. And he said, what's wrong with you? Have any of the rulers believed on him? And the implication is none of them have. And you know the truth is, they had. A lot of them had. But it wasn't doing them any good because they wouldn't confess him. Look at what is it, the 12th chapter? The 12th chapter? And the 37th verse? 1237, but though he had done so many miracles before them, what? Yet they believed not on him. Does seeing miracles cause you to believe? No, it does not. I've heard people say that. Well, show us a miracle. Prove to us. That's just like them saying, come off the cross and we'll believe. No, you wouldn't. No. My dad was in one of Brother William Branham's meetings years ago. 
as a boy. He and my grandmother, his mother, and great-grandmother were all there. And all three of them were healed in the meeting. Glory to God. Just as a young man, he was in the healing line. And he said there was a lady beside him had a huge gorder on the side of her head. Big, ugly thing. Growth mass. And said, uh, he's standing right beside her. He said when the man of God ministered to her, he said that thing went down like a balloon that the air was coming out of. It just looked like you opened up the lip on a balloon and, and just, just went right down and just smooth, just like her natural skin and neck. He said he's standing right there. He saw it. Well, that's a miracle. I said, that's a miracle. That's not just healing. She didn't just recover in a moment of time. It's not there. That's a miracle of healing. He said he saw it with his own eyes. He's standing right there. But he said on the way out, there was some men standing back at the back of the door, and he overheard them speaking as he went out. One of them said, ah, he just had that framed up some way or another. He had that fixed up with her beforehand, some kind of thing. Well, yeah, how'd they do that? What's my point? They saw a miracle right in front of their eyes and chose not to believe. It's a choice, isn't it? No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, it's up to you. And these people heard, how many understand, they heard the best. They heard Jesus himself teaching to preach. You think he did a good job? You think it was anointed? You think it was accurate doctrine? Oh, yes. Never been any better. Can't be any better. Did they believe? No. Did they see some real miracles in front of their eyes? I mean, water turned to wine. This man of 38 years jumping and leaping. This blind man healed. Lazarus raised from the dead. See, they've seen all that by this time in chapter 12. And what did it say? And yet, though they had seen all these miracles, what? They believed not. That's a choice, isn't it? They chose not to believe in him. And that is the greatest sin of all. This right here we're talking about is the greatest sin of all. What? Not believing in him. What do you mean, brother? Well, think about it. The scripture said when the Holy Spirit has come, John 16, he will convict the world of sin. You remember that? But then the very next phrase says specifically what sin he will convict the world of. And it doesn't say anything about adultery or drinking or doing drugs or lying and stealing or murder or any of that. You know what it says? Of sin because they believe not on me. You remember it? And see, all these other things people do because they don't believe on Him. Because if you believe on Him and love Him enough, you will keep His words, won't you? You'll keep His words. And if you're keeping His words, you're not going to be a liar. You're not going to be a thief. You're not going to be an adulterer or a murderer. If you're keeping His words, you're not going to do that. People do these things because they don't believe on Him. And Jesus told them, he said to those Jews that didn't believe on him, and this is to everybody that don't believe on him, he said, if you don't believe that I'm the one that is sin of my father, if you don't believe that I'm the one, you shall die in your sins. Well, come on, think about it. How else could you die? 
There is no price paid for sins except what he did. So if you don't believe in him, there is no other way but to die in your sins. And how many understand that's the worst of all? To die in your sins is to die lost. And why do people die lost? There's nobody in hell for smoking or getting drunk or doing hard drugs or light drugs or having sex with everybody that they could find that would have them. Ain't nobody in hell for that. People, There's nobody in hell just for killing. Is it murder? That's right. God forgives murder. He forgives lying. Doesn't he? He forgives. He for, I don't care. Somebody could have had a thousand lovers and God will forgive them. Somebody could have killed a hundred people. God will forgive that. I mean, somebody could have abused children. God forgives that. I know you think it's awful. You wouldn't forgive it. He does. He will forgive. But the one thing, why are people there? Not believing on Him. That's the worst sin of all. Not believing on Him. How many would say, I believe on Him? Say it again, I believe on Him. I believe on Him. I like what Peter said. He oftentimes he opened his mouth when he should have been quiet, but you know when all those folk left him over that eat my flesh, drink my blood sermon, and he looked at them, he said, Are y'all going too? Are y'all leaving too? And Peter said, Where would we go? Peter said, You have the words of life, and we believe, and we are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of God. I'm going, Go, Peter, yeah, 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 boy. This help makes up some of that other stuff you said. I mean, <laughs> Peter is doing it today. We believe and we are sure that you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You're Him and we're not going anywhere. We're staying right here. Is that your position? Are you, are you quoting Peter's words? We believe and we are sure. And we're staying right here with you. No matter what we understand or don't understand, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not life, not death, not principalities, not powers, not things to come, not things present. Nothing, 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 nothing is going to separate me from my Lord and believe it on Him. I believe in Him in life. I believe in Him in death. I believe in Him. I trust Him. I'm staying with Him. Yes. Glory to God. And because of that, I will not die in my sins. I will die in His righteousness and be accepted of the Father in His blood, in His righteousness. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. Where are you? You holding the place? You in 12? There's so much could be said about this. But, uh, Go with me to John 1, please. John 1. Faith is a decision. A choosing to believe. It's not based on proof. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. If you could pile up enough evidence and say we prove it well it wouldn't be faith but you know no matter what evidence you've got 
How can it prove things unseen? And the future. And God who is spirit. It's a choice. Some choose to believe. Some choose not to. But before you read that. Acts 28. Acts 28. This paints the picture of what we're seeing here in the word. Paul is being sent to Rome. But God's using him all along the way. It was God that he go to Rome. You know, when, the, when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he told him he was going to bear his name before the kings and Gentiles. And it's been years coming, but now that's what's about to happen. But he's having things happen all along the way, isn't he? Even in the shipwreck. You remember that? They had revival on the island. That's what do. When the devil causes you problems, just make him wish he hadn't. Make him eat it. Make him wish you to pick somebody else to mess with besides you. Because not only are you going to overcome, but you're going to use it as an opportunity for other people to get victory. And this is a word from the Lord. A lot of people are dealing with things and facing things and having challenges. And it has seemed unreasonable how much of a problem it is and, and how hard it has been. The thing is, your victory is not just your victory. Your victory is also connected to other people's victory. You watch what I'm saying. It's one reason why the enemies fought it so hard and tried to hold you back and try to hold you out. Because your breakthrough is going to inspire other people and going to encourage other people. Oh, the Lord's talking this morning. Your victory is other people's victory. It's connected to it. So don't you quit now. Because your failure could be attached to their failure too. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. You stay with it. Other people are involved than just you. I know you don't even know how many people are watching you right now. You don't even know. You'd be surprised of how many people are watching you and watching that situation to see how it turns out. They're watching you. You thought you had it kept quiet, but they know about it. And they're watching you. And your victory will be Many people's victory. I know Phyllis and I, things that uh, we've believed God and we've overcome. At the time, it seemed like a trial. It seemed like a test. We didn't know. But uh, God's using it to encourage many people now in other parts of the world. Isn't it good that we weren't defeated? We didn't quit. We didn't give up. Because our failure would be the lack of the people's influence. No, no. Say it out loud. He always causes me. To triumph. triumph. I'm not going to quit. Hallelujah. No. No. So Paul by the spirit. Is just uh, everywhere he lands. He's preaching. Even though he's going. uh, You know he's a prisoner. And the Bible said that. He came to this certain place. And the word got around that he was there. And so he invited them all to come. Acts 28-22. Said uh, we desire to know. What you're saying. And verse 23. When they had appointed him a day. There came many to him. Into his lodging. Many. To whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. Persuading them concerning Jesus. Both out of the law of the prophets. And Moses. And out of the prophets. From morning till evening. Now that's all the scripture they had. That'd be like us saying Genesis to Revelation. And you thought I went long. (laughs) Morning to evening. Do you think Paul did a good job? You think he knew what he was talking about? 
You think he had his doctrine straight? Was it right? Was it in line? You think he was anointed? You think he was prayed up? You think he did it with faith? Were these people hearing the truth? Were they hearing good, solid doctrine that you could believe without hesitation? Were they hearing it? Look at the results. Next verse. What does it say? And some believed the things which were spoken and some believed not. Was it because he didn't do a good enough job? No. See, I don't care if you're hearing Paul. I don't care if you're hearing Jesus himself. I don't care if you've seen the most amazing miracles that you could see and heard the best teaching and best sermons that exist. It's still up to you whether you believe or not. It's a choice. And so some people have been so reluctant. They've heard many good messages. They've seen many good evidences that healing is real. They still don't accept it. The speaking in tongues is right and real. They still don't accept it. They've heard many good messages that prosperity is true. And that God will bless you and help you. He'll pay your bills. He wants you to have something nice. He's a good God. But they still fight it. They don't want to hear it. People sometimes have the idea, well, they just need to hear more. Well, how much do they need to hear? Well, they need to hear some better preachers. Really? How much better? (laughs) In chapter 1, by contrast, in closing, I think. John 1. You see a man named Nathaniel. I like this guy. Jesus liked him. If Jesus liked him, we like him. Because Jesus knows. John 1, Philip, verse 45, found Nathanael. And he said to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Is he believing right now? No. No. I tell you, he knows the word. Nathaniel knows the word, and he knows that the Messiah doesn't come from there. Of course, now we know the rest of the story. Jesus was born in the city of David. The scripture was fulfilled, but, you know, so many didn't see that, and they used that as a point to say that he wasn't the right one because of where he's living now. But Philip didn't argue with him about scriptures. He didn't get in this doctoral debate. What did he say? Come and see. Come see for yourself. So they did. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. And he said, behold, here's an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile, no deception, no dishonesty, an honest heart, a good heart. Now look how a good heart does with the word and faith. Nathanael said to him, where do you know me? From, we might say. When did you ever see me? How do you know me? Because they never met. Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. At that point, you'd hope it was something good. Because <laughs> the Lord saw it, whatever it was. <laughs> Nathaniel, being a good man, maybe he was praying under the fig tree. Maybe he was pouring out his heart. To the Lord, that sounds likely to me. Something like that. But uh, the Lord sees and knows everything, doesn't he? And uh, 
He said, I saw you. Now look at verse 49. How long did it take Nathaniel? He answered, he said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. He's known him for like two minutes. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. You believe? You'll see greater things than these. Oh, glory to God. When your heart's right, how long does it take you to believe? Come on, do you see this? How long? How long? When your heart's right. I mean, Jesus said, those that are of the light, they want to come to the light. Even if the light shows them up wrong, they want it. That's Nathaniel. He wanted it. And he never met this man. He didn't know him from anybody. But when Jesus started talking and he looked at him and he heard him in his heart, he knew. He knew. He knew. This is right. This is the light. And he just believed right then, right there, right now. And you can have a miracle just that quick too. Just that quick. You ain't got to hear a thousand sermons. You don't have to have somebody show you 500 miracles. You just have to decide and choose to believe. And Nathaniel did. You want to be a man like Nathaniel? A person like Nathaniel? A person whose heart has no guile. No deceit. No deception. No corruption. No dishonesty. So he said the right thing when he first said, you know, how can a prophet come from there? But when he saw him and when he heard him, didn't take him five minutes. He said, you're him. I'm looking at him right now. You're him. You're the Christ. You're the king of Israel. Don't you think that pleased the Lord? Did that please him? Stand on your feet, everybody. Said out loud, I want to be like that. Lord, help me to be like that. To have no guile. No deceit. Quick to believe. No insincerity. No sarcasm. No mocking. No disrespect. No unbelief. I do believe. Help me to order my words aright. See things aright. Show the right respect. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.